Hello, Upright Armada. It's Matthew from Upright Health, your captain at the helm. And today we're talking about screen time, cutting it to relieve stress and pain. I have a written version of this episode as well. I will link to it in the show notes. Today we're going to be talking about screen time, what it has to do with your chronic pain. We're going to talk about how it can re- relieve or exacerbate chronic pain, depending on how you're treating your screen time, and how I personally deal with screen time in order to keep my body feeling good and my mind functioning well. So let's jump right into it. So first, I want to talk about the root cause of pain. People with back, shoulder, or hip pain often think that surgery is the best answer to all kinds of chronic pain conditions. And that's largely thanks to medical articles and surgeons' suggestions that this is fact. People are led to believe that they need a surgeon to cut bone, ligament, tendon, or even muscle, which is crazy, to get relief from chronic pain. This whole vein of thought comes from the medical and orthopedic model of chronic pain, which promotes the idea that pain is the result of malformed or permanently damaged body parts. Here's the thing. This orthopedic model ignores the the easily observable regenerative capacities of the body, and it ignores an even bigger issue which is that scientific research consistently shows that damaged quote-unquote or deformed quote-unquote structures that are allegedly causing pain are not related to pain at all. So the upshot here is that cutting into your body to remove pieces, shave them down, reshape them, whatever, to address chronic pain is not backed by science. And over decades, the data consistently show that using surgery to fix chronic pain is a big oversold crapshoot. The reality is that aches and pains are driven by a combination of factors, including muscle weakness, muscle inflexibility, poor uh, proprioception, poor awareness, of and connection to body parts, stress, emotional well-being, relationships, among other things, like even food, diet. There's just so much that goes into it. None of that is encompassed in this orthopedic surgeon's model of chronic pain. So now, let's talk a little bit more about things you can do to get pain relief and in This episode, we're not even talking about exercise specifically. We're talking about screen time, right? So first thing you can do, first non-surgical strategy to relieve pain is to cut screen time. So now you might be thinking, well, uh, how is that going to do anything? Okay, so there are multiple aspects of screen time that make your body hurt. First is the static position you're in for hours at a time. Human beings used to be animals who walked, crouched, squatted, ran, climbed, danced, and wrestled, and did all kinds of things. A variety of movements kept our muscles and joints working. We had to move to survive, to drink, to eat, to whatever required us to move our bodies. 
and we have become technologically advanced. We have done all kinds of things to remove those physical barriers to survival. And now we're at a point where we just can basically get everything we need through a screen. So now we are humans um, who just sit, right? We have become animals who sit and sit and sit and sit. And for the most part, um, we're animals that just focused on, we just focus on things that are six inches in front of us, maybe six feet away from our faces. Our muscles have atrophied. Our internal sense of our own bodies has atrophied. And our bodies have stopped being able to move well. We've turned into stooped creatures who have trouble breathing, walking, squatting, running, climbing, dancing, and wrestling. And our bodies have stopped feeling well. So to combat this, the simplest thing we can do is to reduce the amount of time we spend in these stooped positions, in, in these positions that we're in when we're in front of screens. So we need to limit remove some of that screen time. So finding things to do that don't involve screens naturally leads to more motion for the body. However, I grant you that reducing the amount of time we spend on screens is not easy. Uh, and we'll talk about some more concrete strategies later. Okay, so our our screens are embedded right now with technology that keeps us glued to the screen with social media. It demands our attention with literally unrelenting intensity. And we've become not just physically unwell, but also mentally and emotionally unwell. Which now brings me to item number two. It's going to dovetail with item number one. So strategy number two is cutting the noise cut the noise in your life okay so i'm not just talking about literal auditory noise i'm talking about things like social media newspapers podcasts like this one gossip mags and whatever else you use to fill your brain uh yes i'm saying cut some of your podcast consumption even if it means you stop listening to me that's that's okay if you're just cutting some of the noise, it'll be good for you. So I'm talking about, I'm talking about like everything, all these little titillating tidbits, the things that make you scared, the news stories that make you feel like you're about to die or that your whole life is under attack. Or you read these stories or hear these stories that get you so angry about this, whatever it is, all that stuff is going to contribute to more chronic pain. So drowning in content to stay abreast of the latest events creates a constant level of stress that keeps your entire body tense. It makes it difficult for you to notice and react to your body's signals to take care of your physical self. News headlines, viral videos, and all kinds of podcasts are designed to suck you in. They're designed to keep your attention. They're designed to make you feel like if you consume a little bit more, you'll be a little better prepared for the bad stuff that's coming to get you. Right? The reality is that sitting on your butt, feeling scared, agitated, anxious, attacked, and alone turns your body into a chemical stew of weakness and pain. 
So let's talk a little bit about how stress affects the body and mind. We're not going to go into crazy deep biochemistry or anything like that because I think it's generally pointless for us to go there. So just think about, we're going to think about this in a general way. Think about your body when you are tense, scared, fearful, and anxious. Which muscles contract? Which muscles stiffen? What's the general position of your body when you are tense, scared, fearful, or anxious? If you're like 99% of all humans in history, your upper shoulder and neck muscles, abs, chest muscles, inner thighs, hip flexors, calves, palms, wrists, and the bottoms of your feet tense up when you're stressed, you are ready for fight or flight. Now, many people live in this state for more than half the day. Between family, work, and a constant stream of bad news, it's easy to be stressed out for most of your waking hours. Even if you're in this stress state for two hours a day, it'll have an effect on your well-being. If you're in this state for four hours a day, it'll have more of an effect on your pain levels. And if you're in this state for half the day or more, it will have huge cumulative effects on your brain and body. Being in a consistently stressed out state disturbs your muscles. It disturbs your heart. It disturbs your mind. It disturbs your sleep. It disturbs everything and as you start to hurt more and more as your body starts to complain about being in this constantly contracted and irritated state you get caught in a cycle of distraction and disturbance often because you're looking for answers on the internet and landing on articles that make you think you have an incurably bad disease or a condition and need drastic interventions like pill surgery or injections. Uh, you know, I've been there, and I still catch myself doing it from time to time when I have some health thing that I need to research. It's important to remember that that research, those rabbit holes, can create problems of their own. So then let's talk about the road to lasting health. Before you fall down that those rabbit holes or that path and start trying to cut up your body to fix things, I want you to think about this alternative. Your body needs time to recover from constant stress. It cannot heal and thrive unless you cut out the noise. Cut out the noise and your body can heal and thrive. As someone who has long been type A, super productive, driven, and always busy, I know this can sound silly and ridiculous. And I know high performers will be inclined to dismiss the advice that I'm giving here, but I strongly invite and implore you to give some of this a chance. The results will take a little bit of time to show up, but they will show up. Right now, you might be saying to yourself, but I've tried to cut down on screen time, or I've tried to cut down on noise, and you may have failed miserably at it all. You may have found yourself still looking at your screen, reading the news, and getting agitated at 11 p.m. when you probably should have been asleep. I'm speaking from experience. I understand I have run into these same exact problems, so... Let's now talk about two practical steps to cut out these causes of pain. Okay, so let me give you two practical steps you can take to cut out screen time and noise. So step one is use technology to reduce your screen time. Okay, you're going to use 
technology. You're going to fight technology with technology. Okay, so you have to remember um, that this screen time is taking away from your movement time, and it's also taking away from your recovery time. So we do need to be a little bit ruthless to make this happen. Now, if you don't know already, there is something on your iPhone called screen time. If you have an iPhone, um, I'll talk about Android in a little bit, but uh, iPhone users, you've got something called screen time. And um, the last time I used it, it was a really weak, crappy tool. It's really easy to get around its limitations and it would just kind of give you little warnings like, hey, you're using it more than you're supposed to. And then you could just bypass those warnings and then you'd keep using the phone. Again, speaking from experience. Uh, I would suggest, unless they, by the time you hear this, unless they've actually really made screen time a much more useful limiter of your usage, don't expect screen time to help you reclaim some of your life. To limit your screen time, you got to use stronger tools, things like the Freedom app for iOS or for Android devices, which I'll get to. Uh, there's something called App Block. So on a screen on iOS using Freedom, yes, it's going to cost you money to get the premium version. It's probably worth it. The way I worked that out, in my head is really simple, right? It's like, how much would I pay to have my brain feel better and for my body to feel better? Many of you out there have probably spent thousands of dollars trying to get your body to feel better, thousands of dollars trying to get your brain to feel better. If you could just get a 20% improvement in your brain function or 10% or improvement in your body function, how much would you pay for it? Many of us would probably pay a hundred bucks or something at least for that. If I could get 20% improvement in my brain, I'd probably pay at least a hundred dollars for that. So you can do the math for yourself, see what works for you. I don't know what freedom costs right now. You can go check it out. I, I have no financial interest, no financial stake, but if you're an iOS user, it's definitely something to go look at and check out. Uh, I personally currently use a very, very, very tiny Android device, and I use an app called AppBlock, which, if I remember correctly, was like under $10. It might have been $10. Um, and that just blocks the crap out of everything that I want. So, um, and I'll get more into detail about that. Okay. On your Windows or um, Mac computer, there's a really great app that I use um, called Cold Turkey Blocker. And that is fantastic for setting strict usage limits of specific apps, websites, and even of your computer itself. It can literally keep you locked out. And you can set preset times to keep yourself out, which we'll get into. Another easy win is to uninstall all social media apps from your phone. This cuts down on mindless, time-sucking scrolling. You may think that you have the willpower to just not use your social media apps. I have gone through this thought process hundreds, if not thousands of times, and I have known so many people who have gone through this exact same struggle, and I will just save you some time and tell you 
you do not have the willpower to not open those social media apps on your phone. So just take them off. It's that simple. The goal here is to remove willpower from the equation. Left to my own willpower and conscious control, I know that I can always find a reason to disobey my intended screen time limits. There's always some reason that I think I need to be on the screen. By setting limits that automatically kick in, I'm far more likely to obey and Though I might temporarily feel disappointed that I'm not getting my necessary screen time, I end up feeling calmer and healthier in the long run. That is a pattern that shows up for many, many people. I'm sure right now you're thinking, oh, you're just too weak. You can't do I can do it. I can do it. Well, good luck to you. <laughs> good luck trying to not use the apps that are sitting on your phone begging for your attention and constantly pinging you with their notifications. And good luck every time you open your phone and see one of those app icons. Not just thinking for a quick second, maybe I should, and then using your precious brain power to convince yourself not to click on that easily accessible app. Just that process alone wastes your brain power and adds just a tiny little bit of stress to your everyday life. So take those things off, set up those blocks, okay? Which is now step two, implement limits, okay? So <clears throat> step one was to get the technology to... Uh, reduce your screen time and also remove some of those apps from your phone that you don't want to be using. And then step two is to implement limits that give your brain and body time to rest. So when my phone and computer are locked, I can't use them to check email, read the news, listen to music, watch videos, etc. Using screens before bed to do research or send emails creates agitating dreams. And the hunched position I'm in on the computer seems to lock up my neck, shoulder, and arm muscles through the night. I wake up sore and groggy. And basically it feels like a computer hangover complete with feelings of regret. I personally don't like waking up with hangovers of any kind. So when I want to feel my best, I set strong screen time limits. So let's talk about the nitty gritty screen time limits I set up. I currently use an Android phone, like I mentioned, and I set a daily limit of 15 minutes of web browser time using um, Android's native digital well-being options. And those are actually pretty strong. So once the uh, time expires, then Android locks me out of Chrome. There is a workaround, but it, it is much more annoying, I find, than what was on iOS. So I'm far less likely to jump through the hoops to disable that setting. I, I do allow myself in case of real uh, need, uh, in case there's like a two-factor authentication thing or something, something I absolutely need to look up, like really have to, really have to actually do, then I will bypass it. But um, uh, generally, I just don't because it's too annoying, okay, which, which is the goal. I also use AppBlock to lock me out of my text messages, email, and browser between 9 p.m. and 6 a.m. That means I cannot do text, email, or my browser between 9 p.m. and 6 a.m. And oftentimes I'll try to extend it so like I don't even look until 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. And that really, you will be amazed if you try this. 
really helps the brain stay calmer. So on my computer, I use cold turkey blocker to limit my use of specific websites and even the computer at certain times of day. So I use it to block out distractions that have a strong ten tendency to pull me off of my work tasks. Like um, there's certain news sites that I'll, I will just compulsively want to go to. Back when I was still using Facebook, I would compulsively check Facebook for updates. Um, so all those things are things that you can just block. You can set little time periods where they're blocked, or you can set longer, um, just entire sections of the day. You just schedule those regularly where you just can't check those things, um, which is a fantastic, fantastic way to do it. Um, cold Turkey locks me out of internet browsing from 9 p.m. until 5 a.m. That means when the house is quiet, I can't give in to the temptation to wander around the internet looking for the perfect jacket or surfboard, which I'd like FYI, the perfect jacket or surfboard doesn't exist. I'm discovering that. In addition, I have no social media apps installed on my phone, like I mentioned, and I don't have the email app within easy sight or reach. I don't even allow my work email to update on my phone unless I manually ask for it, which I maybe do a couple times a year. This keeps me away from compulsive email checking, which is fantastic. Uh, compulsive email checking, I used to do all the time. When I'd go to bed and wake up, I'd constantly check email to see what horrors waited for me. And there were never really any like horrible horrors, just little irritations. But the amount of stress I had from it was insane. I was literally, I would literally be hot and sweaty from checking my email in the bed. So, no more of that. I've personally found that these limits and enforced periods of computer and phone-free time have a huge impact. Having at least an hour without technology before bed means I sleep deeper, have calmer dreams, and wake up feeling refreshed, which is all connected to pain relief and just feeling good. So... I want to be clear that what I do may not be exactly what you need to do, though I obviously have the bias to believe that. So I'll just say, you need to adjust your screen limits to fit your needs. You may need to adjust things to practically fit your life and your job, but I want you to be wary of the justifications you come up with to be loose with your restrictions. If you find yourself saying, for example, Ah, but what if I need to check for an important email at 11 p.m.? Then you need to seriously question whether your email addiction is manipulating you or if your life is simply scheduled in a way that is too busy, which will keep you constantly in pain. If your goal is to get out of pain, and you are unwilling to change the things that are causing you pain, then you have an unsolvable problem. You will need to be honest with yourself about that. I've personally found that it's best to be too restrictive for a while in order to see the nature of my own addictions. The period of extra restrictiveness can help break the grip screens have on your mind and body. If you find that the level of restrictiveness becomes truly problematic for the flow of your life, you can always loosen up your restrictions after carefully weighing the cost to your mental and physical health. So, let's be clear again. 
make sure you're not coming up with weird justifications that allow you to get all crazy again. Okay. Now I want to explain some of the scheduling things that I do, some of the reasons I block things on my phone and computer so that you kind of understand a little more deeply what goes on in my mind around these things. So first I mentioned earlier that I block text messages in the evening. Why? Well, in general, I find texting a frustrating means of communication. A normal human conversation involves two people exchanging ideas in real time. One says something, the other responds. With text messages, the long periods of waiting and wondering if a message has been seen and wondering how it's being received create a lot of stress in my brain. Um, this is a personal thing. I often assume the worst when there's silence and no response. So even when all rational thought points in a benign direction. I will often assume someone hates me, is ignoring me, or that the delay in reply will, will result in some kind of massively negative physical or relational catastrophe. Now, I know this is something I can work on, and it actually has improved definitely over the last many months and years, and it's something that will, I believe, continue to improve. But until it's really settled having text message threads that are just sitting loose out in ether is a mental stressor for me so i can just constantly deal with this horrifying mental stress or i can implement daily time blocks on text messages and just have peace and quiet at night so i can sleep better better sleep helps me stay calmer allows me to think clear, allows my body time to heal from workouts, allows me to grow muscle, restore whatever needs restoring. That's an easy decision. So I just block those text messages. Most of my messages, they can wait. They're just not that important. It's fine. Now, let's talk about why I block web browsers on my phone. Why do I severely limit that? Well, it's not because I don't like to learn. It's because I need that block. I like to learn, I like to read, and the internet gives me unfettered access to more information that I can soak up forever. And it's more than I can soak up, ever. So whenever there's something I wanna learn about, I often get sucked deep into information rabbit holes, and I know I'm not the only one. I know there's tons of you out there who are just stuck in these rabbit holes. So I find that without limits, I will keep looking at either news sites, blog sites, or researching whatever random things, going online shopping, looking for whatever. And I am either fearful, stressed out, or in like this, this constant state of avarice looking, wanting to acquire. And that is not good, right? News sites, finance sites, environmentally focused content, like all these things, very titillating and satisfying, but just creates more fear and stress. And I have met people who claim that they're never caught in these things. If that's you, maybe you don't need to block the internet as I do. But be honest with yourself. If you suspect you have a problem with internet rabbit holes, then you should experiment with blocking internet access and see how you end up feeling. Um, really big idea here is to run experiments, right? At personal level, right? Personal level experiments. Um, I used to have major addiction to 
a major compulsion problem with email. I used to check it all day long. And, you know, once I realized that I really had some problems with it, like I mentioned earlier, uh, I decided to block access to email on my phone. If I wanted to check email, I had to do it on a computer. And that meant I wasn't getting irritated and stressed all day. It meant when I did re read emails, I could respond to them with a full keyboard instead of with that stupid smartphone keyboard. And what I found was after blocking email for a while, I managed to break my addiction. When I allowed email back on my phone, I was able to use it for receipts, confirmations, order pickups without feeling the need to check constantly through the day. That's a big win. And these days I rarely check email on my phone unless there's something specific I'm waiting on. That's a huge change. That's a big improvement over where it was before. Now, I ran the same experiment with social media apps and websites on my computer and was able to reduce my desire to be on social media. However, as soon as I allowed social media apps back on my phone, my behavior became compulsive again. My mood, my physical health, and comfort went into the crapper. So I took social media off my phone and have kept it off. So as you experiment yourself with limiting email, social media, screen time in general, pay attention to how your brain and your body feel. How do you feel when you wake up? How do you feel during peak work hours? How do you feel before you fall asleep? Take a baseline assessment before you start cutting or adding back screen time. Then check in daily for the next week, even next month, writing down how you feel at those critical times of the day. That's it. So to recap, screen time stresses you out, leads to more chronic pain. So simple things you can do include cutting it, reducing it, get the technology you need to do that, and then start to cut aggressively. If you find that you actually need a little more leeway, give yourself some of that leeway. Do not be afraid to cut email. Do not be afraid to cut social media. Cut those things aggressively and see what happens to your sleep quality, your thought quality, your movement quality, your comfort, all those things are virtually guaranteed to improve if you can cut your screen time. People often underestimate the importance of stress levels in the development of chronic tension and chronic physical pain. So if you are constantly feeling hyper alert, vigilant, and tense, your muscles will reflect that. that constant tension will impact your physical comfort and mobility. That could manifest itself in your shoulders, back, hips, knees, whatever. If you're on a journey to free yourself from chronic pain and you're thinking about surgery, take a moment to look carefully at your life and realize that high stress levels driven by our daily exposure to these convenient technologies can contribute to and aggravate chronic back, shoulder, hip, knee, foot, elbow, hand, etc. pain. So before you start thinking about cutting your body parts, start thinking about cutting these other absolutely unnecessary things first. If you are on the journey and you're looking for more free resources, go to my website at uprighthealth.com. Check out my YouTube channel, which you'll find a link in the show notes. And I hope you always remember that pain sucks. Life shouldn't. <laughs>